0: This is the Skirted Roundtable. I'm Linda Merrill from Surroundings.
1: And this is Megan Arquette from Beach Bungalow 8. And this is Joni Webb with Coat de Texas.
0: And this week on the Skirted Roundtable, we are welcoming Veranda Magazine Editor-in-Chief Dara Caponegro to join us to talk about the new book, The Houses of Veranda, and the magazine's 25th um, anniversary celebrations and whatever else comes up. So Dara, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're, we're very excited. Um, Veranda is, I think, one of all of our favorite magazines. And, and the book, which uh, we're all stroking lovingly, is really, really beautiful. I particularly like to comment on the end papers. The feel of the end paper is just so pretty.
2: Oh, good. Well, yeah. we worked hard on it. You know, it's Lisa Newsom's book. She was the founder of Veranda, as everybody knows. And I always say there's not a, a person I know who doesn't love Lisa Newsom. And she has an impeccable eye, and she started Veranda on her kitchen table 25 years ago. And it's kind of amazing what she's done. And uh, I've been lucky enough to carry on where she left off.
3: Well, I love this story in the beginning of the book about how she really wasn't a pro at uh, distribution and circulation, so she had her children going out, putting flyers in I people's know. mailboxes. I love that. And again, not knowing about how, the adver- how advertising works with new publications. She actually managed, you know, what you don't know, you don't know, and sometimes you do better. She managed to have a, her first magazine filled with advertisers who were paid for rather than at full rate.
2: It's remarkable. And Leslie Newsome, um, Leslie Newsome Rasco, who's uh, her, Lisa's daughter, and is uh, one, our design and decoration editor, always talks about Lisa dragging Leslie and her three brothers and sisters to ADAC, and the kids would be outside playing while Lisa was in there, you know, doing whatever she needed to do get, to get the magazine going. And it's a great story. I mean, it's really remarkable what she accomplished.
0: That is a, it's a, such a family story. It is. is. And
2: it's so nice that uh, Lisa's still doing things for us and that Leslie's on board. Couldn't live without her either. And, you know, it's wonderful that Veranda was started in the South. I think um, Southerners have just an innate sense of decorating and a love of decorative history. And so nice that the magazine was built on that.
0: Do you have any ideas on why that is? Being from the North, I think I would definitely agree, but I'm curious as to, if you You have... You know,
2: I don't know. I think that there's a very... The South, to me, feels very European in a way, Um, and I I don't know, but there's a lot of similarity, I think, between um, people who live in this country in the South and Europeans, and there's a love for entertaining and a love for beautiful things and an understanding of patina, that uh, the rest of the country doesn't necessarily
1: understand. I get a lot of negative feedback because I, I call it the Houston look on my blog. But uh, it, there's definitely a look that in the South, you know, and um, people like Linda doesn't get it or, you know, I mean, she hasn't been as exposed to it as I have. And people get kind of bored with it that aren't from the South, you know, that read my blog but the ones that are from it love it. So
3: it's, it is, there's definitely a look that. Well, I think uh, it's, it's interesting that Miranda ended up having their largest readership was in California at, I don't know. And was it at the end of the first year of, of being published?
2: Um, after Hearst bought it, they realized guess, the biggest readership was actually in California and that was 10 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, we're no longer uh, just a regional magazine anymore, obviously. Right. Um, uh, We're a very national magazine, even an international magazine. We have readers in England, France, Australia. We're trying to increase our distribution in China. Readers seem to love us all around the world, but I do think one of the reasons they love Miranda is because it's just, it has this DNA of being a gracious magazine that's really devoted to beauty and authenticity and the pursuit of beauty. You know, we always talk, all of our editors are just passionate about beautiful things, and Somehow that rings, it rings true to
1: our readers. I think that's true. I mean, it's just always a beautiful, a magazine, and and even if there's, you know, a couple of houses you don't like, I mean, you never like every house, there's always one outstanding house that's featured in the issue, you know, that you just know you're going to get that look with a mixture of antiques and you know, new furniture or
3: beautiful fabrics, and it's just a very beautiful magazine. And the feel of it, the hand—that's that, one thing I've always noticed about *Veranda*. Above all the others, it's just the um, pro- quality of the product itself is very high end. I mean, you just—it yeah. feel, almost feels like, a, you know, uh, like a coffee table book as far as the pages.
2: Yeah, I always say that it walks the line between a magazine and a coffee table book, and. A lot of that has to do with our paper. We have the best paper in the industry, and um, it makes a difference, I think. Yeah. It does.
1: Well, there was, yeah, that when Southern accents used to have that gorgeous paper, and then they switched, and it was just never the same once they did that, you know, that beautiful, heavy paper.
0: So, Tara, um, let's maybe take a step back, and um, let's talk about sort of your background in magazines, and maybe before that, your obviously previously Domino magazine, uh, the greatly lamented Domino magazine. So tell us sort of about your background. Well, my mom was a decorator
2: and my dad was a doctor and I was always very torn between science and art. Mm. My dad wanted me to go to medical school and my mom was She didn't want me to be a decorator, but so when I went to college, I went to Barnard College, and I was an English lit major with minors in both biology and art history, (laughs) and (laughs) I was kind of all over the place. And my dad and I also toyed with the idea of going to vet school. So I did an incredible internship at the Cooper Hewitt Museum between my junior year and senior year of college, and I worked for the director. Then her name was Lisa Taylor. It's just amazing. She was a wonderful mix between being a hippie and kind of an east side, you know, a very proper upper east sider. And um, I learned so much from her. And so I did that. And she offered me a job when I graduated from college. And I said, you know, I think I want to go to vet school. I have a job at the Bronx Zoo working um, in the children's zoo, giving lectures on uh, animal uh, preservation and wildlife conservation. So I did that for about seven months, and I drove up to the Bronx every day, and I'd wear khakis and a t-shirt, and every day, you know, I'd get peed on by the different animals, and, and uh, after about seven months, shouldn't say peed on, I guess. Maybe you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway, after feeling very dirty... After seven months of working with these animals, I said, I think I've had enough. And I called up Lisa Taylor at the Cooper Hewitt and said, do you still have that job opening? Because I would really love to take it. And so I went back to the Cooper Hewitt and did a stint as her assistant, which was remarkable. I mean, it was like going to finishing school, really. And um, after that, I went to House Beautiful and I started as an assistant. And I got my job at House Beautiful, funnily enough. Um, because I had worked at the Bronx Zoo the two editors who hired me said well if you can handle snakes you can (laughs) handle packing boxes
0: yeah
2: and you know that was in the days when at Hell's Beautiful you would go into rooms and you would set them all up and shoot them and then three days later you dismantle them and have to pack everything up and shoot it you know send it back anyway I just loved it and I worked really hard and eventually I became an associate editor and then an editor and then a Um, the director of decoration and then I moved from House Beautiful to El Decor and then from El Decor to Domino and then from Domino to Veranda so I've been in magazines for most of my career I mean it's been um, I want to say at least 25 years and I have to say I love it I never get tired of it. You know I've
1: always wondered about your switch from Domino to Veranda but listening to you it sounds like Maybe Domino was the oddball uh, because you had House Beautiful, El Decor, Veranda, and Domino was that kind of lower income, uh, you know, budget. What was it like
3: the thing? younger 30 year old working woman? Right. Um, no,
1: that, that actually, the
2: average age of Domino, the average reader age was about 37 in the end. But what I loved about Domino is that we could teach people things. You know, I, I think it's so important. And this is what I love about Miranda also. You know, we do those star- those stories called Style Legend where we look back at people. And I'm a big believer that in order to look forward, you need to look backward. The thing I loved about Domino was the ability to educate people and also the ideas. Like, it was just fun to come up with all the ideas. And it was also a great step. I mean, we had a lot of fun making the magazine. And I think that came through. I mean, it had a real joy to it. And that, in a way, is what people miss. You know, they could... They can feel it
1: in the pages. You know, I, that's true. I I never thought of that, but you really did learn when you got a Domino. You know, there was so many ideas. Yeah. To take to take with you, and maybe that's a fall. You know, everyone complains about magazines today, but you know, you do, there's so many magazines that you just leaf through them and you throw them out because there's nothing that
3: you can take with you anymore that's a good point Joni I think that's why so many of us who loved Domino um, we have kept every single one of our issues and because you can you can go back to them three years later and find ideas that are creative and do it yourself and you know, we are sort of in this place right now where so many people are decorating on their own now and they're getting ideas from the magazine. So it was so smart that Domino actually made you feel like, oh, I can do this. This is attainable for me. It was great. Um, I read an article. This is a little uh, non sequitur, but sorry, Linda, for your editing. No, that's all right. <laughs> I found an article about your parents and about how they moved from their home. Was it an Eichler house, the house you grew up in? Yes, I grew up in an Eichler house. And they decided to move after 50 years and into a an old folks sort of um, compound of sorts. I just love the interviews and the quotes by your parents. Your parents sounded so cool. I was like, these people are awesome. Amazing.
2: Yeah. My parents are amazing. My mom was, um, you know, really incredible. She was ahead of her time. They bought this house in 1961. It was a very modern house. Nobody I knew lived in a house like that. Um, And we lived there for 11 years, and I I think, you know, it really formed my my being on so many levels. It, It definitely fostered a love of design, and for a very long time, I was, you know, a modernist. Like, I just loved everything modern, and I think that's because I lived in the Eichler House, and then my parents built a house about, I think, when I was 11 or 12, and we moved to a very modern house that they had built. And... Over the years, I think working at House Beautiful and working at El Decor, I had an antique business for a while. All those things, you know, gave me a broader knowledge. When I got to House Beautiful, it was the 1980s. So chins was all the rage. Decorating was very traditional. And so it it forced me to respect a whole other kind of decoration and design. And uh, it was really good for me. So my mom was a renegade. They bought this house. My dad loves design, too. I mean, he's, he's not as creative as she is, but he has a real respect for it. And so we lived in the Eichler house. We lived in the house that, that they then built. And a couple of years ago, they decided it was time to get rid of the big house and move into um, a retirement community. And I have a brother and a sister, and we were all appalled. And we were, thinking, we were saying, what are you doing? It's going to be so depressing. And this retirement community, I mean, it's perfectly fine, but it's not what my parents were used to. My parents were, you know, they're, they're, they've lived with design their whole lives. So I had just lost my job at Domino, which in a way was uh, very lucky because I then spent the next year helping them clean out their big house and helping them design their new apartment. And we hired a wonderful architect named Joe Serens, who I've known for a few years, and he understood their sensibility. And we created the hippest, coolest apartment in this retirement community that you could ever imagine. The New York Times article referred to it as uh, an apartment that two 24-year-olds could, you know, you'd imagine two 24-year-olds living in. and. My parents kept saying, you're going to thank us, you're going to see, it's going to be so much better, this is our gift to you, you know, we're not going to leave you with a big house when we die that you're going to have to go through, and they sort of took the best of all the things that they had collected over the years, and we made a really nice apartment for them, and the best part of it really was that I got to spend time with them in a way that I hadn't in a very long time, and it was very sweet.
3: Yeah, and and just... For people listening, um, the article is in the New York Times uh, home and garden section, and it's titled Styling a Downsized Life, and there's a great picture of them sitting in front of some beautiful art, and um, it's a really fun article to read, and I swear you'll walk away from it thinking these people are the coolest people ever, Mm -hmm. parents. (laughs) And in it, um, your grandmother, I guess, there's a quote that your grandmother when she died, only had a few boxes of things because she was constantly giving away. And right. so there was that whole part of the story that talks about sort of not valuing things at such a high level that you can't let loose of them. Yeah. Which I think is an important lesson for all of us because we all can tend to really put emotion, too much emotion into things.
2: I think that's true. I just finished a series of videotapes that I did with... Um miles red and vincent wolf and i hope they're going to be um it's going to be a standard thing that we do all the time that we show on our website but one of the things that came that i came away with that both people said independently was you know that it's just stuff ultimately at the end of the day it's just stuff and the stuff isn't what matters and Mm -hmm. i thought how funny you know here are these two great designers and they're both saying the same thing
3: And you wonder if maybe because they are able to have that detachment, it also allows them to open up uh, a more creative, you know, maybe it opens a a flow, a more creative flow because there's nothing stopping you by emotion. You're You're able to continue this sort of organic creative flow by not having things being stopped and placing too much value on something not changing or keeping it. So I don't know. I've, I've heard that from other designers, too, and there are always these amazing designers who say things like that. You know, it's just fabric. It's just a piece of furniture.
2: Right, and they don't get too upset if things get, you know, dirty. They just turn the cushion over, and, you know, I I, I was so impressed. Bunny Williams, too. I had a conversation with her in the same, I think, the next night or something, and, and she was saying the same thing.
3: We interviewed Alessandra Branca, and I can remember looking at – um A page of her book and there it was for it she talks a lot she talked to us a lot about designing for families with with active children and doing it in a realistic way and she said I love you using quilted fabrics because you know it hides myriad stains and dirt and soccer cleat you know stuff and tracks and that sort of thing and I love that about her
2: yeah, yeah. Well, having had kids, too, she, she's probably an expert at all that stuff.
0: Yeah, Mids um, Wolf had spoken in Boston a couple of months ago, and he, he basically was like, I never understand people who say, oh, I spent months selecting the right fabric. Come on, it's a gray fabric. Gray is gray. Let me, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll look at it across the room and say, yeah, that one's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. And
0: it was such. Well, a-
1: you know, I think solids are so easy to pick, but, it's when you have a print, that's what's hard, to find a print that someone likes. I can see spending, I've done that before, spending right. months trying to find a, a print that a client connected with, you know? Yeah. But he
0: doesn't you use that want to
1: be able to live with it for a really long time, right? You don't yeah. Want to-
0: so 25 years of Veranda, that's, you know, it's particularly in the recent economy issues and all ma- a lot of magazines having problems. That's a huge um, accomplishment. What do you think, um, Dara, besides, you know, just obviously Elisa's great eye for a lot of beautiful projects really speaks to that sort of longevity and growth?
2: Well, I think a veranda has a very gracious tone that a lot of other magazines don't. You know, we're never snarky. We really celebrate design. You know, we, we're, um, I think that makes us stand apart. I think the fact that we focus on quality really makes a huge difference. You know, I always say it's about beauty, quality, and authenticity. So something needs to feel real. We focus a lot on livable luxury. I mean, yes, we're a luxury book, which is fantastic. You know, it's a beautiful book. But the rooms that we feature are always very, very livable. That combination of those things, especially during the recession, when people were really afraid to buy things, it's that idea of, you know, you can invest in these things and they'll last a lifetime. You can and then give them to your children, your grandchildren. There's something, you know, that's just part of our DNA, and I think it it's something that's important, and uh, it's sort of helped us stand the test of time. Have you had a chance
3: to take any time with any of the digital magazines, and, and do you have thoughts on, on those all the new digital magazines that are out now?
2: Well... My thought about digital magazines is that we're all digital magazines now. I mean, Miranda's—it's available on Zinio. It's available on the iPad. Obviously, it's available on the Nook. So I don't see them as a separate entity anymore. Mm-hmm. I see them as just part of, you know, the culture of magazines. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so basically, everybody's digital, and some some people have a print version. Exactly. As well. Yeah, I think that's right. What do you What are your thoughts as far as people's you know, reading one versus the other and would you see a time when print would just go away altogether? Well, I like to think that
2: let's see, I think that print is for inspiration and all things digital, you know, like websites and things like that are for information. So when you want something that's really a magazine comes in handy <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. just a different experience you know something that you want to keep that you you know really respond to but you know there's room for both I, mm-hmm. I don't see i mean i think in certain cases digital can replace print but in a case like veranda i don't know it's so well suited to print that um i mean it's also so well suited to certain devices
0: yeah
2: it just looks so beautiful but if you want something that you can really hold on to and keep for a long time. I hear from so many people how they've saved every one of their verandas since the day it started. You know, you're not going to get that with the digital experience. Yeah.
0: No, as we were saying about the yeah. quality of the paper, you know, I, I, I just I recently got an iPad, and I, it has revolutionized my my magazine reading and how beautiful things can look, but it, it doesn't uh, quite replace.
3: Veranda was my first magazine that I subscribed to on, on oh. um, Zinio. Yeah, but... I have to say, I went back to the old school, real thing, the hard copy, because there's so much value in. I mean, the the actual, as I was saying, the paper, everything. They're such beautiful magazines that I like to keep them, and uh, you know, to go back to, as you said, for inspiration. And I didn't find myself doing that, and sometimes I forget to read them and that kind of thing. So I'm I'm better with holding it in hand. I love stroking you. the pictures. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Dara, you know, like about two years ago, or maybe it was three years ago, it was like 50 magazines folded, and they were just going like flies. I mean, every day we'd hear about a new one. Do you think that's over with? Are we at the bottom, or are we going back up, or how do you see the fate of magazine business?
2: I like to think that the the time when magazines are folding is over. I mean, I'm a big believer in print. All the numbers coming out, even among young people, show that they're readers of magazines. So I don't think magazines are going out of style. I do think that the marketplace kind of got, I don't know if it got oversaturated or not, but I do think we're at a point now where each magazine is really unique and different. Mm -hmm. And it feels good, you know, I'm part of the. Miranda is part of the Hearst Design Group, so Hearst owns Elle Decor, House Beautiful, and Miranda, and all three of those magazines. You know, they serve a different purpose. They they all feel different, and it's really nice because Newell Turner, who's the editor of House Beautiful, and Michael Boudreaux, who's the editor of, of Elle Decor. You know, there we have a nice dynamic, the three of us, and it helps that the magazines are all you know they're all so different from one another.
0: So. The book, the Veranda, Houses and Veranda book, how was the process, I know Lisa Newsom wrote the book, um, but I'm assuming there was, there was a team in the process of selecting which projects went in the book?
2: No, you know what? It was really Lisa Newsom's baby. Ah. So, yeah, yeah, it was her baby. I can't take any credit for it except for the fact that I wrote the preface, and um Yeah, it was her, it was something she's always wanted to do, and uh, I'm so glad she got to do it. It's already sold through its first printing, we're on our second printing, and she's going to maybe do another book, and then Carolyn Englefield, who's our uh, decoration director, is also going to do a book for us. Oh, great. So we have a lot of exciting projects coming out. Carolyn's book, you know, she lived in Paris for 12 years, and she shot most of the European houses that were in Veranda, so she wants to Mm -hmm. do a book about her experience in Europe and all the beautiful houses that she photographed in Europe. And um, Lisa's next book will probably be an outdoor book. You know, outdoor rooms and some outdoor entertaining and gardens and that kind of thing.
0: Oh, great. Uh Well, in this
3: new veranda book that we were talking about, one of my favorite spreads is uh, the house in Provence. And there's a whole outdoor... There's a room that is inspired by lavender, I suppose. And then there's an outdoor area that's just beautiful there's a really great perfect shot of an out under a tree with a tablecloth and
1: oh I mean the, ha- the book is just gorgeous I mean and it's funny because like almost all of my favorite houses over the years are in this book
2: I know it really is beautiful even if I do say so <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it's a nice mix you know I mean I- I'm glad that it's a bit of everything it's modern it's Provence, it's uh, traditional, it's California, it's, it's I mean, it's Florida, it's, I love it in that sense. We're,
2: okay. Yeah, and we work so hard in terms of the magazine, too. We really try to have a mix in every single issue, um, both in terms of region and in terms of style.
1: Miranda has made so many designers' careers. They have, and I hear over and over again from designers
2: after their places have been published in Miranda that they get work from it, you know?
1: It's definitely true. I just know even from the Houston decorators because Houston used to be a big spot and veranda when it was southern based and these designers their careers were made from being featured, you know, in the magazine.
2: We have Jane Moore's house coming out in um, in our September issue and we just photographed Pam Pierce's reincar- re, uh, reincarnation of her, her of her house that we've done before, but she's given
0: it more of a modern slant. So I'm very uh-huh. excited about that. Speaking of leads, if people have designers or homeowners, how do you guys accept or do you, um, you know, submissions?
2: Generally, they just send us an email and they attach photographs. I mean, sometimes we'll still get them in the mail. I mean, in a way, getting them in the mail is a little easier for us, but we're happy to look at at things anyway you know email's fine too
0: and just so just like a simple pitch this is i think this might you might be interested let us know kind of thing yeah super
2: simple snapshots not professional photographs and we won't get back to you i mean we get back to everybody sometimes it takes a while typically we have submissions meetings about once a month we go through you know all the new submissions and and then we get back to people fairly quickly i think compared to most magazines we're pretty good about that
1: what is how that, many people you know, sit on that board, the submissions meeting? I mean, how many people is it that decides which houses go in?
2: There are about six of us, but in terms of who sit in on the meetings, it's our art director, it's our photo editor, Carolyn, our decoration director, myself, Leslie Newsom, who's another decoration editor, Tori Jones, who's a decoration, associate decoration editor, and... We sit around and we really look at everything very very seriously and often what happens is sometimes we have to turn down perfectly beautiful projects and so much of it is about filling in holes of things that we don't have. So one month we might be we might not have enough houses that have color or another month we might not have a ha- enough houses in I don't know the Midwest or because we really try to get a good range. So sadly we can't publish everything that Warren's Publishing
1: so let's say you get a submission of a house that's very colorful, but you already have too much color. You don't save it for a future day; it's just gone for that month, and that's it. Or
2: well, you know, I don't like to have a huge inventory. I think when you have a huge inventory, the magazine, a magazine, can get very stale very quickly. So I like to have a tight inventory so that we're we're not keeping designers waiting forever to have their houses published. And I just think it makes everybody happier in the end, you know, because there's nothing worse than having a project in inventory if you're a designer and waiting and waiting and waiting for the place to be published. Right. So I'm pretty careful about that. I mean, if something is just like we can't live without it, of course, we'll photograph it. But it's we have to really be strict about it because no one's happy if you have too much in inventory.
1: You know, it's interesting you say that because we interviewed Stephen Drucker when he was with House Beautiful and he said the same exact thing.
2: He did yeah, i was thinking, yeah that too. exactly. If a
3: designer, for instance, if a designer does submit something and it may not be a well-known designer, maybe someone like Stephen Drucker was saying, we don't it doesn't need to be a name. If it's a great space, we'll know, great design, we'll know. But if it doesn't fit your quota or what you need to fill, then you know I, I would think that you'd encourage designers maybe just to keep keep trying. You know, because it, it is a publication that has to sell a certain amount. So there are certain things you have to follow in order for that to happen.
2: Yes, I would definitely encourage people to keep trying. Also, you know, different clients, different projects are with different clients. So I think every client brings out a different part of a designer. So one project might not be right for Veranda, but another one might. So absolutely, I would, I would encourage that. Veranda doesn't focus on being trendy, but... We do like surprises. You know, we like homes that will make you, that will take your breath away and will make you think maybe a little bit differently than you thought before. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to a point where it's outrageous, but to a point where I always say Miranda has a classic back, backbone and then we diverge from it, you know, 20 to 30% on each side. Um, so sometimes something is perfectly beautiful and beautifully executed, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to make a magazine story. Does this make sense? Definitely. Yeah, that does. And
0: I think, to me, a really great example of that classical backbone, but with the sort of surprises, is like the Mary Douglas Drysdale project in the book, of this just incredible, all, you know, white, classic envelope, and then these surprising modern touches. Right, right.
1: You know, Dara, you said something about when you were at House Beautiful that you would do a shoot and y'all would bring everything in and then after it was over, you would pack it up and leave. Do y'all not do that now at Veranda? Uh, You don't style it at all or what? We don't at Veranda.
2: And, you know, they don't do it at any magazine anymore that I can tell because it's so expensive. When I got to House Beautiful or I mean, when I was at House Beautiful, I think we did one story an issue like that. And then when Marion McAvoy went, she stopped doing that. I don't think House Beautiful does that now. El Dapur doesn't do it. AD doesn't do it. We don't do it. I mean, Domino, a Domino, we did it.
3: You know what? We had a whole conversation about this when we were talking about all the magazines closing down. Do you you guys remember that? Yes. And we were talking about what we were were guessing. We had heard the rumor mills about how expensive it was to style a shoot. So that's funny. We did have that conversation.
0: Yeah, it was an expensive magazine to produce. And you know what? I don't think the magazines are suffering because they're not spending huge amounts of money practically redecorating spaces. The magazines have better spaces, but you're obviously counting on the decorator of record to have done a full job.
2: Right. Miranda never did shoots like that, where where we would bring things in. Mm -hmm. But we are very sensitive to having to including houses that have ideas.
0: You know, having their own ideas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a stable of designers that? You use over and over that you go to? Like, if you need, you would call and say, Give me something for next month or, or not?
2: No, I, we're very open. You know, I don't have designers, I don't have a, a stable of designers at all. I mean, obviously, I have a, I've been in this business for a really long time, so I have a relationship with a lot of designers, but we're, we're really basing what we include on the project as opposed to the designer necessarily. So I I like to keep it very broad. I mean, I feel like we have a nice relationship with lots of designers, and I'd like to include projects by people from all over the country and internationally as well. And if someone new comes along that I, you know, didn't know and their work is great, you know, i am love to include their stuff. It thrills me. I mean, nothing thrills me more really than discovering somebody who's new and being able to include them in the pages of Miranda.
0: Branda's, as we've said, is celebrating 25 years. Do you have any, um, well, first let's talk about the sort of celebration plans. I know that you're doing various events around the country. There's one coming up in Dallas um, in a couple of weeks that looks, I wish I right. could go.
2: <laughs> We're doing five events in five cities over the year uh, to celebrate our 25th anniversary. So we kicked it off with our March issue, which was our anniversary issue. And in that issue, we did a picture called the 25 Most Memorable Rooms. And it was really nice. It was kind of a, a, I'm sure you guys must have seen it being readers of Miranda, but it was sort of a walk down memory lane of some of our favorite rooms over the years. So we did that and we had a party at the Four Seasons Restaurant in New York City. Then we had a really great series of events in Atlanta. We did a Charlotte Moss book signing and we did a panel with Danielle Rollins and Kelly Ford and Susan Goodfriend at ADAC. Uh, we're going to Dallas next week, and we have Windsor Smith, David Easton, and Michelle Mossbauer on that panel, which is going to be a lot of fun. They're all, you know, they're all so well versed in what they do, and they're—it's uh, a fun group. I'm really looking forward to that one. Then in Boston in September, we're doing something with Beer Granny, Nancy Braithwaite, and Charles Spada. Well, that's going to be a great one too. Great!
0: I'll be in the front row. Okay.
2: <laughs> good. And then we have something in Chicago in October and Houston in November. So we've got our bases covered, and uh, they're always fun, those events. I mean, I love going, I love traveling the the country and, you know, meeting people. It's always a nice thing for me to do. Of course, my family doesn't love it so much, but (laughs) part of my job is being on the road, you know? How much traveling do you do? A lot. You know, it goes in spurts, spring and fall is really busy, but this past spring, I would say I was on the road every week for probably two months straight.
0: And um, how old are your kids, if we can ask?
2: Well, my 19-year-old doesn't mind, because she's in college, (laughs) but I have a a 9-year-old little boy who's still at home and would prefer me not to be on the road so much. Yeah. It's tough. Luckily, my husband's very, um, you know, he's a good dad, too, so that helps.
1: And Miranda, is it still out of Atlanta? We have mostly in Atlanta
2: still,
0: and then the rest of us are in New York. Yeah. In the Hearst, the Hearst building. building.
3: right? Yeah. We're in
2: the Hearst
0: building. How did you, I know I wasn't able to attend at the last minute, but um, I was registered to go to the Blog Fest, and, and um, the last couple of years, uh, the Hearst publications have been very nicely involved. And how do you feel that kind of connection and sort of passing back and forth of inter- information with bloggers? What do you feel like is the relationship between magazines and the blogging world? I think it's great. I mean, listen... I think bloggers have made the
2: whole, all the interest in design and decoration and style so much more lively, and it enables the conversation to reach so many people. And you know, blogging you can do on a much more frequent level than you can with a design magazine. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think there's a really nice relationship. I love the back and forth, and I love the um, the more people who are interested in this in this business of ours, the better. And when I say mm-hmm. business, I mean, you know, the world of, of style, the world of design. Right,
3: Ooh. right. And it's all about exposure, you know, like like you were saying
0: with your history.
2: I think ideas feed off of one another. I think it's all good. What do you guys think?
0: I think it's taken a oh. while to sort of get comfortable, you know, between the two. And, and as bloggers have developed, you know, from just reposting pictures from magazines to creating a lot more, you know, individual content or you know, taking creating stories using mag using the magazine content, but I think that the magazines are our, our sort of blogger's lifeblood of inspiration, but also a jumping-off point for creating something new. I just like
2: hearing all the voices. I think it's an important thing.
0: Now, what is um uh, any exciting plans for the, the uh, next twenty-five years that you want to share? <laughs> <It's> twenty-five years?
2: <laughs> well. I have one very exciting thing, which I'm not allowed to talk about, but it's a special issue. It's going to be a seventh special issue. So that's all I can say, and we're hoping to launch that next spring. And, well, as I said, we have our other books coming out. You know, we'll be doing events across the country again next year, so I hope everyone will come to those.
1: Are y'all going to and- have any more houses, like you did Windsor Smith's house? This That was so gorgeous
2: that's- this year. We are. We're going to have another concept house next spring, I hope, like late spring next year. So we'll have that. We're kind of fine-tuning that now. We're hoping to have all of our plans set by the end of this July. So we've got that going. I'm going to be doing these series of videos um, with designers, so I'm really looking forward to that. We have one fun project that we've been doing. Do you know the website, Tygen.com? T A I S. Yes. Yeah,
1: my daughter just showed me that last night. Actually, that's yeah, my job.
2: I love that. So we have a partnership with them, which is kind of fun. Where we've been doing um, like editors' picks on their website, and when our we're about to redesign our website, so when that gets redesigned, we're going to have like a little shopping section on there. So we're going to have a partnership with Taigen where people can shop from our website. What other kinds of things. I mean, lots and lots of stuff. The The role of a magazine editor has changed so dramatically over the last 25 years. I mean, there's so many things that we're involved in now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, when you redesign your website, are y'all going to have access to archives, pictures, or not?
2: We're working on that. We're working on maybe doing something where, you know how Vogue has their, um, where you right. sign up. So we're hoping to do something like that. Also, have you guys checked out our
3: Facebook
2: pages?
3: At all? Uh yeah. yeah, yep. I love our Facebook I have. pages. They're something
2: better. I'm, I'm going to go on it. <laughs> dear, dear to my heart. I love those.
1: I think they're fun. I w- I hope y'all do the archives. I think there's so many gorgeous photo images that are just lost to people. You know, and if we could get them back on the computer that they would live, you know, forever, and it would be great.
0: Dara, thank you so much for joining us. It's really interesting to hear uh, more about what goes on with Veranda and you and the 25th anniversary celebrations.
2: Well, thank you, and you guys are so sweet to have me. I hope I'll get to meet you in person one of these days. Thank you Thank you so much. I really appreciate being
0: included. This has been the Skirted Roundtable with Megan Arquette from Beach Bungalowy. Joni Webb from Cote to Texas, and I'm Linda Merrill from Surroundings. Thank you so much for joining us. You can visit us online at www.skirtedroundtable.blogspot.com or download our podcasts from iTunes. Search for the Skirted Roundtable. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon.